How would you like to have a sexual encounter so intense it could conceivably change your political views? Would you like to dance? Yes, please. I'll take that as a no. Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album. That's mine. I bought it. You did not. The catchphrases. Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? And the wannabes. Sometimes I see you dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s? Forget it, Gibson. I hear she likes the intellectual type. It's all intellectual stuff. You're flanking English. That's your mother tongue. It's stuck. Oh, great breakfast. Protein, go for it. <clears throat> Don't you know how great it makes you feel when you do something totally spontaneous, something totally off the wall? Spontaneity has its time and its place. It's not easy getting right, you know what I mean? I mean, most people are afraid to pick up hitchhikers. I mean, you never know who you might pick up. I mean, I, I could be some crazy slime ball. I mean, a real deranged, violent psycho, you know what I mean? I mean, a guy who would rip your heart out and eat it just for pleasure! Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. Today, we examine the 1985 masterpiece, The Sure Thing. Do I need to explain the significance of those words? A sure thing, no questions asked, no no strings attached. No guilt involved. A sure, sure thing. With me as always, my friends from L.A., Brad and Marty. Steve, how's it going, man? I'm hey, excellent. Hey. How's everyone Mocking doing? me. Mocking yes, me uh, no, I'm mocking you. I'm joining in the the fun festivities of 1985, a banner year in the Marty U canon. Wow, can't wait yeah. to hear about that. Wow, carton of smokes for for Christmas that year. Yep, yep. <laughs> That's a good line. I didn't see that one coming. So a couple weeks ago, we were we were fishing for a podcast topic, and so we went to our Facebook page. And if you haven't joined it, shame on you. But we asked, you know, throw out some ideas for our next podcast topic. And a lot of people uh, wanted to hear about the sure thing. So it was either the sure thing or the outsiders, if I recall. Those were like number one and number one A. And I'm all for doing the outsiders. But today we're going to tackle the sure thing because we just kind of feel like uh, we haven't given John Cusack enough love lately. He's been kind of weird. He's been doing his little uh, political tweets and all that kind of stuff and not making movies that we're watching anymore. But in 1985, it was all about John Cusack. This movie came out, and it was a Rob Reiner-directed movie. For some reason, I think it holds a special place in the hearts of all 80s fans. Absolutely. I mean, he wasn't even uh, – Rob Reiner, the director, didn't even want to, to audition John Cusack uh, when he was suggested because uh, he was underage. I mean, he was under 18, which means that they would have to shoot shorter days. Oh, so is that why, I mean, I saw that they went to court to get him emancipated. Is that to declare him legally an adult so that they didn't have to shoot short days? Yeah, that's exactly. Is that a common thing? I, I don't think so. I think it's a very uncommon. But 
but you know John Cusack is an uncommon talent. So um, Roger Birnbaum, who was the one of the producers of the film, ended up uh, being his legal guardian and said, "Go ahead, work through the yeah. night." But up the, until um, that point, that was his first starring role because he'd only done uh, two movies before that, I believe. Uh, Sixteen candles yeah. in class. Yeah. Right. So this is this is what this is his, and that was my question. I think uh, on the blog this last week was I was asking people, um, was this the movie that turned John Cusack into a star? Was this the, the star maker for him? And most people disagreed and said it was better off dead. Uh, you know, I, know. I watching this again, I was so impressed by John Cusack's performance because he has so much bravado and confidence in that. And if you think, you know, he was, what, 16, 17 years old and he w- he just took everything just by the, the reins and just, you know, he killed that performance. It was It's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think Better Off Dead, I wouldn't say it holds up better, but I think people have fond memories of it. It's I think it's funnier. It's trying to be funnier. But I don't think anybody saw Better Off Dead in the theater when it came out. Oh, I know I did. Well, I did because I worked at a second-run movie theater, and we had it for like a month. But (laughs) uh, I don't think it was – I mean, I I have to go look at the box office, but I think probably more people saw The Sure Thing. I I think uh, Better Off Dead is much – it's uh, more zany, director-driven type of thing. This is more of a standard sort of romance. Cusack is amazing in this movie. He has has great lines that I – to this day, I still use some of them. You know, well, Private Gibson incoming isn't one of them. That's Anthony Edwards. But uh, when he talks about the nutritional intake of riboflavin and stuff like that, I mean, <laughs> stupid little crap. Or Nick's your friend, Nick's your pal, the kind of guy you could, who throws up in your car, you know. Yeah, my cousin Elliot was living in my neighborhood because he was going to college at Stanford. And then my best friend was Nick, so I could balance those two names and like because nick was my best friend and elliot was the nerd who went to stanford so it was very <laughs> it's it spoke to me elliot you can name the kid elliot you can't name the kid elliot no elliot is a fat kid with glasses and eats paste I'm not gonna name the kid elliot gotta give him a real name give him a name like nick nick yeah nick nick's a real name nick's your buddy Nick's the kind of guy you can trust, kind of guy you can drink beer with, kind of guy who doesn't mind if you puke in his car, Nick. Well, for those who haven't seen the movie, a quick description is probably in order. Um, like we said, this is a 1985 romantic comedy. It was directed by Rob Reiner, written by Stephen Bloom and Jonathan Roberts. And it stars, obviously, uh, John Cusack, the patron saint of the 80s, Daphne Zuniga, who would go on to uh, let's see, well, she was in Spaceballs. She was in Vision Quest right before this, or about the same time. Uh, then Melrose Places, I think, is where she kind of made her her biggest success, right? Oh, no, The Fly 2. Bite your tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony I, Edwards. Uh, Anthony Edwards obviously goes on to make Top Gun and in BNER. And Nicolette Sheridan um, would go on, obviously, to be in Desperate Housewives. So Nicolette Sheridan played... The sure thing, right? The sure thing. Yeah. And a little little scrawny. Katie and I were watching this the other night, and she's like, that's Nicholas Sheridan? She had a boob job. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I mean, that was, I think, is the biggest flaw in the movie. So the, the, the plot of the movie is... That she didn't have her boob job yet? Anthony Edwards 
sends this photo of of the sure thing, uh, 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 Nicolette Sheridan, and then that's who uh, John Cusack is going to to see. But dude, Daphne Zuniga is right there, and like, um, and I was always on Team Zuniga. Uh, <laughs> I have a T-shirt, by the way, that says that. That's why I'm laughing. So it's it's kind of weird, and to be honest, the it seems like a, uh, not too much of a original plot. The origins of it came from from the from one of the writers who, while attending Brown University, and it's kind of sort of halfway implied that maybe that's where Cusack uh, is attending school in the movie. Um, during um, his time at Brown University, his best friend who was attending Emory down in Atlanta was constantly uh, contacting him and telling him about all the good times he was having down south. And um, out of pity for his friend up north, arranges for him to come down to meet a sure thing over, over spring break. So the writer uh, found a ride and went down to, uh, to Atlanta for a hellacious spring break. Hence, now we have the movie Sure Thing. From what I read, uh, the the writer uh, Stephen Bloom, he it was a ride share that he went down with a bunch of students, and I think that was probably more common. One person had a car, and then everybody yeah. would just go down. But in in this movie, he gets a ride from a couple, uh, and one of the the husband is played by uh, his name is Gary Cooper, is played by Tim Robbins, not the dead one. <laughs> right and uh it's just immediately they start singing show tunes and it is such a great role it's an awesome yeah. car too that volvo wagon i want that car is that what it was yeah, you would a, know yeah. old, you would know the make of the it's car it's an old volvo yeah i looked up i thought it was kind of weird that, that tim robbins would play you know an adult married man at that in 1985 i mean he has some roles ahead of him like i mean basically what top gun's still ahead of him and uh, Bull Durham. Bull Durham. So I looked it up. How old would he have been when he made that? And the answer is 27. Hey, oh. You know what? Work is work. I'm, I'm thinking Tim Robbins is saying, hey, this is a gig. Let's do it. Yeah. It's just such and, a weird gig. Well, he was like from the Chicago uh, stage scene, which is I, you know, where John Cusack came from. So I don't know. I mean, they've always uh, they've done a you know bunch of stuff together over the years. So I wonder if that was one of the... Uh, the deciding factors. Or he not. was also um, Tim Robbins was also in an experimental theater group called the Actors Gang in Los Angeles with actor friends from his college softball team, including John Cusack. Oh, yeah. so there you go. That, there it is. Yeah. Now, now the great mystery has been revealed. Is it Brad or is it Wikipedia? <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> this show has been Wikipedia powered for a long time. Yeah. So um, if anybody wants to sabotage the podcast, they can just, just yeah, just start things. editing Wikipedia stuff that yeah. has to do with the eighties. Did you know so, the sure thing was made in ancient Greece? <laughs> it, it was written on papyrus. It says so right here. <laughs> so, so does anyone here have a, a road trip or a sure thing story that that they can connect with? Well, I was an engineering major, so I don't have any sure thing stories, but uh, I do have a good road trip story. So I think it was, uh, well, I would have been 20. I wasn't quite 21 yet, but we had just finished up uh, winter quarter finals, and me and my friends were like, what are we going to do? Let's do something fun, and I don't know, uh, you know, boring around here. Uh, hey, let's go to Vegas, because you know, it's a four-hour drive from L.A. I'm like, okay, whose car should we take? Let's take yours, Brad. You've got the biggest car. Uh, which was a two-door uh, VW Rabbit. That was the biggest, oh biggest car. <laughs> so me and three of my friends pile into the car. It's probably, 
I don't know, nine or ten o'clock when we leave LA. So we pull into Vegas at like, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning, uh, and start going into casinos and playing nickel poker machines. And we got thrown out of every casino on the strip because we're underage. So finally we ended up at Caesar's Palace. Caesar's Palace left us alone, so I've always kind of had a soft spot for Caesar's Palace. But uh, I think I won like twenty bucks, maybe, and then it was like, oh, okay, let's let's go get one of those breakfast deals. So we went down to um, I think Slots of Fun. It's right next <laughs> to Circus Circus. I don't think it's there anymore. Yeah, uh, no, it is because I was in a I was in the car with uh, Steve this summer and said, Steve, I can tell you that the forty nine cent breakfast there is not worth the forty nine cents. Oh. It was pretty awful. Uh, and then we decided, well, let's let's head back to L.A. You know, we've done our thing now. And so we decided we'd go uh, check out Hoover Dam because we were just finished a thermo. This is so dorky. We had just finished a thermodynamics class. We're going, let's go see the big turbines at Hoover Dam. <laughs> yes, so, you're so, right. It is so sad. very dorky. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's, it's who I am. How did you get married again? It's a mystery. It's an absolute mystery. My wife is criminally insane. (laughs) (laughs) So we go to do that, whatever. And then we're driving back on some back road to get to I-15 to head back home. And I have a flat tire. So I we get out. I'm like, oh, don't worry. I have a can that fix a flat stuff. So I start spraying that into the tire, and it's just pouring out the back of the tire. Like the tire is completely separated. It's just completely blown out. I'm like, okay, well that didn't work. Um, okay, well so we get the lug wrench. We start trying to take the, the tire off, and it's on there really tight. And we stripped out my lug wrench. Now we're screwed. Basically, we don't have a way to get the tire off. And we're on some back road. There's no traffic. And, you know, I'm like, just stop everybody that comes by and we'll see if they have the same lug size. So a car comes by, no, nothing. And then like five minutes later, you see a car come over the crest of the hill there and it's another VW rabbit. I'm like, lay down in the road. We have to stop these people. They stop. It's a couple, young couple with a little kid in the back. And they're on their way from Michigan to L.A. They're on their own road trip. Maybe they tell this story, too. <laughs> they tell it better. They anyway. probably oh screw you, Spears. <laughs> so you know, long story longer. Uh, you know, we bar their lug wrench. We get the tire changed. We off we go. Off they go, and we're heading home. And at this point, you know, I've been up for about thirty six hours, and I say to my friend Greg, Greg, I need to get some sleep. You drive for a while. Stop in Barstow for gas. Okay, easy enough. I wake up. And I'm like, where are we? It's like, oh, we're somewhere between Barstow and Victorville. I'm like, oh, did you stop for gas? No, you still had a quarter of a tank. Like, no, the car reads a quarter tank high. And, you know, on cue, the car starts sputtering. So we're out in the desert on the interstate someplace and pushing the car along the shoulder, thinking, well, it's mostly downhill into Victorville. We'll just push the car. So we're pushing along, and we come over a crest, and up ahead, like a half a mile ahead, there is, I see another car on the shoulder. And I'm like, oh, crap. How, how are we going to get around them into traffic? This isn't going to work. And as we get closer, it's that same couple. <laughs> 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 so they had passed us and seen us pushing the car. And they're like, oh, you know, I can hear the conversation. Do you think we should stop? Yeah, we probably ought to stop. So they stopped, and they took one of my friends up to Victorville to get some gas. And, and they didn't mock you for being engineers, like the dumbest engineers like the, on the planet? Probably in the privacy of their car. Yeah. So I think we offered to buy them uh, lunch at In-N-Out Burger, but they, I think, decided that hanging around us any longer wasn't <laughs> such a good idea. <laughs> so we never saw them again. Mr. and Mrs. Good Guy, we called them. 
Oh, that's but, cute. Uh, so that's maybe not a tale of epic sexual conquest, but uh, that's what I got for you today. Well, when I was uh, back in the day, in the 80s, I was a fencer. Uh, I was on quite a, a competitive fencer. And, uh, I, oh, you mean the sport? I thought you meant the, the trade. Yeah, we thought uh, meant you sold watches. Um, I, I did a little, dabbled in both, uh, but... Uh, so I would go on these tournaments, uh, to these tournaments and, and, you know, far off places. And, and when you're there and you're, you know, a teenager or in your twenties or whatever, you, you, it becomes like summer camp and like people hook up and yeah, a major social scene, I would think. Right. And so I hooked up with a, a fencer from, uh, she was from New Orleans and, uh, but then she was living in New York. And so I was in LA and then. Uh, we we had conversed and and corresponded, and so I just I thought it was that we were on the same page, and so like I flew out to New York, and then like within like three hours of being there, she was like, okay, well, this is she basically firmly established that it was not a sure thing, in fact, not a thing at all. But uh, <laughs> uh, I. I uh. It was, uh, yeah. So, so did you go to like the Statue of Liberty or something instead? Um, pr- pretty much, yeah. Uh, I think we we watched videos, a lot of videos, and mm. it was not. Um, I could have watched videos at home in L.A. So, but now she's married, children, living happily in the South somewhere. So, story of my life. You've you've kept uh, kept close tabs on her, I see. Oh yeah, that's, that's... Not, not creepy at all. Thank you, yeah. Internet. <laughs> are, you, are, you, are you Facebook friends with her? Uh, no, I actually I haven't I haven't looked her up on Facebook. Uh, I you know I found other means. Um, <laughs> That's not creepy at all. Not creepy at all. But have you guys ever like had situations where you've had like friends that you've been sort of combative friends with that you've end up hooking up with? Mm, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Yeah. Sorry. Um, Ask a no, no. question. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it this it seems like it's a common or not a common theme, but it is it is. A, it's an absolutely common theme. Oh, well, they hate in, each other in, first. What's going to happen now? Right. Because that's like Rob Reiner did when Harry met Sally and uh The Princess Bride, two sort of these long sagas of, of these two people who are bickering and then end up hooking up together, uh, as well as the sure thing. That's a good point. You know, it's it's funny because you watch this movie and you kind of know. I mean, even at even at the age that we were, you know, seventeen and sixteen, eighteen at the time, I think everyone who sees this movie knows exactly how it's going to end. I mean, but yet it doesn't matter. The predictability of this movie does not matter because there's a certain charm about it, and it's just a matter of of when we don't know and yeah. and what the exact. Uh, circumstances will be. I, I really I mean, enjoyed the the creative writing class as kind of a frame for it. I thought that was really kind of. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. I like this. Oh yeah, especially this one scene that I want to play, where he accidentally hands in his roommate's uh, <laughs> letter. <laughs> letter to penthouse. Let's play that one for a second. Here we go. I am a freshman at a small northeastern college. I never thought these letters were real. Until a few days ago, when I had an experience that changed my mind. I just had to share it with you. Miss Top, I don't think that... Take it easy, Gibson. I am 
six foot two with dark hair, athletic build from football, and I'm considered good looking by my friends. <laughs> I'm not boastful, but I must explain for the sake of clarity that I am relatively well equipped with ten inches of solid man meat. <laughs> I just love what she says. Solid man meat. meat. <laughs> <laughs> and like he could have done anything like to say, oh, that's the wrong paper. But um, they just let it roll. Let it roll. Well, he tries to stop. I mean, I love the, the English professor. I mean, she's the she Swedish, the Swedish English professor. Or she's Swedish or German or something like that. It was well, she's she uh, Vivica Linfor is uh, is a Swedish or was a Swedish born act- actress. Um, who, yeah, who died in 1995. Oh, I didn't know that. That's sad. Um, but she provides in a way the outline of what's going to happen here. I mean, she, in the the beginning of the movie, she's basically counseling, uh, Zuniga basically saying, you know, life is the ultimate experience and do it until you experience it. You can't write about it. And it's a, it's a great frame for the whole movie, I think. There's a lot of things in this movie that I think, and this may be why it appealed to us then. I'm, I don't know what it would be like if I saw it today for the first time, but I still well, think I'd like I like it. You know, I just saw it for the first time. You keep saying, no, I didn't us know that. Then. I just oh, wait, saw you... it for the first time. Oh, so what'd you think? I, I liked it. I was, I really enjoyed it. I mean, isn't John Cusack charming? I yeah, mean... he really is. And it's, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect, and it wasn't, but at the same time, I think I was expecting more kind of bog standard teen flick and it wasn't that um it has a it has a sweetness to it and the characters are are well well done i think Uh, the the thing that just cracked me up was that he and his buddy are writing letters to each other yeah like wow and sending print photography to each other photos (laughs) through the mail it's just like whoa Hello, but Instagram. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I, I, mean, I did too. Absolutely. Sure. In, I wrote letters to my friends in college. I mean, that's what you did. I mean, at that point in time, I mean, long distance phone calls were. Uh, yeah, it was cost real not, money. Yeah, not doable. So you would write them. You'd write like a two page letter, you know, photography optional. My college girlfriend uh, recently, uh, we had a, 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 I don't know, a falling out of sorts. It's called but, a restraining order? Oh. <laughs> yeah. But she sent me. A stack of all the letters I sent her, and <gasps> yeah. she did not. Yeah, and it's like, wow, that's that's, that's uh, dramatic. But, kind of surprised she kept them as long as she did. Uh, I kept hers. So really, yep. And they'll be. The, uh, I've just found a publisher. Uh, look for it this spring. <laughs> no. no. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of curious. Though. I mean, <laughs> so you had so this here's so you you're friends now, obviously now. Oh no, we're not friends anymore. We we no tried. no no, but, but up until so what, what was oh, the yeah, following? Yeah. I mean, you were um, you were you were boyfriend girlfriend then, and then I assume and we fell out of touch, right? And then you got back into touch. We got back into touch, and then I was more interested in being friends, and and she wasn't. She wanted more touch. Yes, and uh, which was crazy because she lives in London, so it's like oh, yeah. right. Yeah, you and then like, like special gloves and a weird internet connection for that. And so I said, well, uh, I think we should just be friends. And then like two weeks later, I got a stack of mail. Oh, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's going to hurt. Um, yeah. But then again, it was also maybe I, you know, I, I don't need that kind of drama. That particular kind of crazy <laughs> is not the flavor that you'd like this week. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, well, 
and and to some degree, I think that's why Daphne Zuniga in this movie is, makes such a good foil for John Cusack because they clearly she clearly cannot tolerate him uh, now, for the first half of the movie. Yeah, and it's interesting, doesn't she say that you know she doesn't like to admit it, but that that character is a lot more like her than she wished. And I could see that. Whenever Daphne Zuniga tries to play like a sexy minx role, I'm like, no, 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 no. No. Girl next door. Uh, yeah. Girl next yeah. door. Snooty girl next door, you know, who played the cello almost. Ooh. Would I still date her? Of course. But Tell me more about this cello player. <laughs> In high school, I was a delegate to the mock UN in New York City. Twice. When I was nine, I broke my brother's nose boxing. On a tour of Graceland, I passed out in Elvis's bedroom. I think I've done my share of living. I, I just remember she was in a movie with Tom Berenger called Last Rites uh, in 1988. And uh, it's like she plays, I think, uh, a Mexican prostitute. Uh, what? Who has like, a, I, has like a, a, an affair with a priest played by um, Does she know, have a heart of gold? Tom Berenger. Uh, no, no, she's like she's she's like dirty in it, like not dirty, but there's like they're like sex scenes in it, and it, and it felt so clearly like she's trying to break this image that she you know that was uh, foisted on her yeah. by the sure thing. Oh, it worked for Angel Heart and uh, what's her name from the Cosby Show? Maybe this will work for me. <laughs> well, did it work? I mean, I don't no. Know. <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, and I I was working in a video store at the time, and it sort of came in. I was like, uh, this should be, like, this should be my the the tape I've been waiting for. You know, the fan of the sure thing gets the sexy, you know, video of uh, Daphne Zuniga. But it was just it was just trashy, and and she was terrible in it. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And I, and like I was alluding to earlier, I think it's what we learn. It, I think the fact that Cusack's character has all these great lines with little pieces of. Uh, Trivia that we still use to this day. Um, the, the junk food nutritional data. You know, junk food really doesn't deserve the bad rap it gets. Take these fried pork rinds. This particular brand has 1% of the RDA, that's recommended daily allowance of riboflavin. I don't know if you can hear, by the way, my cat is outside my studio door right now howling up a storm because I won't let her in here. Because if I do, she'll walk all over the keyboard and podcast no, she, over. She has things to say about the sure thing. She does have things to say. Um, and, of course, my favorite, and we've alluded to this already as well, um, how to shotgun a beer. All right. This is called shotgunning beer. It's an ancient tribal custom originated in Southeast Asia, I believe. Okay. Take the beer, right? Mm-hmm. Poke a hole in it, as I will do now. All right. Mm-hmm. Using any household appliance. I'm using a pen. Okay. Make it, make it just big enough to fit your mouth over it. And then 86 the pen. And then in one swift, you got to listen to me, it's very mm-hmm. important. In one swift death motion, you're going to take it, pull it up, and then release the cork, not the cork, this thing, and all the beer will slide down right to your throat in like two seconds. It'll be great. Now, wait, are you sure you're ready? You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay, for all you kids watching, it's very dangerous. Let's not try this at home, all right? So everyone here has shotgun to beer at some point? The, because of this movie, I think this because movie, of this movie, yeah, yeah. I think after this movie, it became like a, a rite of passage. I, I don't think I've ever shotgunned a beer. Well, that's because really? you didn't see this movie until. I, just I, yeah, but I have some, I have some silver bullet out in the fridge in the garage, and for you guys, when we finish recording this, I'm gonna go do it. Should make you do it right now on the on the show. 
that'd be a horrible mess. <laughs> I know. We should make you do it right now on the show. <laughs> do you want me to take the laptop out in the garage? No, go get the beer, and Marty and I will talk while you're, while you're gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we want to hear it. We want to hear yeah, it happen. I want the whole sound effects. I'm not going to get it. it. I'm not going to get You're not going to do it? <sighs> you know what? Maybe we can. Let's see how we do Let's see if All we right, can yeah. this out. All okay, right, keep talking. You know what? I'm gonna. I just. I'm. I'm going mobile here. Okay. All right. I'm do it. Unplug Okay. Okay. We're going to the garage. This is gonna be exciting. <laughs> well, I just remember when people, everybody knew how to do it, and they professed to be an expert. But I really think it's only because of this movie. I, I'd never heard of it before this movie. I I used to funnel beers. I mean, that was pretty popular down here. Everybody had a homemade funnel, but that, shotgun that was- beer. See, high school, you didn't have the resources to to fix up a funnel, like, but everybody had, you know, a pen or a key to open up a can of beer. So, Fun- it- funneling funneling beer was so common in Florida that if you went into like if you were eighteen years old and you went to a Home Depot and you got the ingredients for a funnel, they would seriously like give you a hard time about selling it to you really but now you go to a grocery store and in the liquor section there are ping pong balls right next to the beer (laughs) yeah times have changed but literally i remember going into a home depot one time and it might have been gainesville freshman year and i I just all i bought was a funnel some masking tape and a a rubber hose and they're like you know sorry we can't sell this to you (laughs) like why (laughs) i'm like i'm just i'm not i'm like i I need it for a science experiment (laughs) Something like that. <laughs> and they're like, you're going to use it to make a beer funnel. I'm like, I've never yes. heard And I'm sitting there going, science. I've never heard of a beer funnel. So you think a, like a number two Phillips is a good thing to poke a hole with? Yeah. Or a car key. So I'm in the garage. I've got the got the screwdriver. Okay. Make it happen. Okay. So I <laughs> poke the hole and then open the top. Put your mouth over it and then you pop the top. Open. <laughs> we shouldn't hear him say it's open. It should just be drunk. Is he drinking it? This is this is good podcast. That this is quality podcasting. And then you got to crush the can afterwards. <sighs> okay, I'm wearing about probably twenty percent of that. Oh, very good. <laughs> you did it correctly. Then did you crush the can? Yeah. Oh, there's the Excellent. Payoff. Aren't you glad you did that? <laughs> Actually, no. I don't have nearly as much on me as I thought. It felt like it was all pouring down me, but just a little bit on my shirt. That's good. Oh, well <laughs> done, yeah. Brad. It's very refreshing. The things you do for the podcast. <clears throat> you know, give, 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 never take. Now, I mean, I've done the like the boat races where you just down a, a mug of beer, but I've never done it that way with a can. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Um, well, in as much as one can uh, enjoy drinking beer that is so barely beer at all. <laughs> Taking one for the team. You know, Coors Light has its place in my life. And apparently shotgunning beers is one of those places. Well, the reason it got into the movie, it was not in the script. Um, Cusack went to Reiner and said, I, I know this trick. And Rob Reiner had it written into the movie. Because of that. And I think it's brilliant. I mean, in fact, fantastic. it happens, what, twice in the movie? He does it once in the car well, on the drive. The and then he teaches her. I, I think it's yeah. a beautiful device in and, this movie. Yeah. And, it, and it, it is the point where 
Oh no, the, she does it three times because she then does it with then her. She boyfriend. does it with her boyfriend. Boyfriend. Oh, jeez, how can we forget? We got to talk about him a little bit. So, um, you oh. know, he he. The only other role I remember him from, and he stays in character, is Lieutenant Ring in uh, Heartbreak Ridge. Oh, he plays see? the exact same guy. It's that guy after he got Gosh. out of college. Oh my god, I had no idea. That guy has worked a ton since then, but um, I just I think of flannel sheets whenever I, I see flannel. <laughs> whenever I see flannel, I just think of the sure thing. I well, and, those, and he gets all those hangers yeah. that she really likes. Oh yeah, that's right. The no wire hangers. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I'm moving back inside, so talk amongst yourselves for a minute. Okay. <laughs> so. Um, some some reviews compare this to like a, a 1985. Uh, Jesus, that's gonna be there for a while. That's good. A 1985 version of it happened one night, which is the Clark Gable, you know, uh, sort of road comedy of years ago. And and I think the you know the romantic comedy road movie is is a, a staple that we all love. And like you said, you know, there are no surprises. But you do want to see a, a good one, like sort of unroll, you know. Yeah, I think I think her going when they when she overhears um, Gib talking to the truck driver about why um, they're both heading to California, and she only hears the uh, the bad part about what right. he's going to do, you know. And then her reaction afterwards. I mean, that's where it starts to to me. It's like, okay, now we're I didn't see that coming, you know, and. And he goes to that frat party where um, uh, Anthony Edwards is waiting for him. And he's obviously told everybody in his fraternity uh, that his friend's coming out here to get laid. Um, and then, of course, the crash and burn with uh, Nicola Cheriton. And you knew. I mean, was there any doubt in your mind that he was going to not go through with it? So that would be my one criticism. Like, they could have made her, like, a little more interesting. And, well, and the other well, she's thing is, foil. like, yeah, she's but if you're, like, a super hot girl, like, how you know i've got this pasty guy coming from like the east coast <laughs> he hasn't showered in a week and he's you're like, gonna want some of that you're gonna want uh, cut yourself a big slab of, of gib you know <laughs> it's There's not gonna shirt <laughs> big slab of gib well their first album was really good um <laughs> but uh so there were in the 90s there was a movie with paul rudd and um reese witherspoon that came out, I think it was direct-to-video, but uh, called Overnight Delivery. And that is where it, Paul Rudd plays a guy who's trying to intercept a package to, that's going to his girlfriend. Mm. And so he goes on the, the road with Reese Witherspoon, who plays, you know, uh, completely to type uh, an exotic dancer. And then they fall in love on the way there. Um, and then in 2008, there was a movie called uh, Sex Drive, which is... Uh, actually, it's a very funny movie, um, and it's the same sort of plot. He meets a girl online. He goes with his best friends uh, on this cross-country road trip and uh, not seeing that his best friend is the girl he should be with all along. Uh, but, yeah, Right there before you all the time. And, and, of course, it was preceded by the classic road movie High Road to China. <laughs> oh, <laughs> with Tom Selleck? Yeah. Oh, of course. And, uh, and Bess Armstrong. Oh, jeez. Oh, we won't be doing a show on that one anytime soon. Speak. Um, <laughs> I love the way that it ends, though, with um, 
They're back in New England. Um, they're back in English class. And he's written a essay that the teacher reads. And here's how it plays out. It is called The Sure Thing. It could be tonight, he thought, as he stood in the corner pretending to have a good time. He would meet her tonight. All his young life he had dreamed of a girl like this. Five foot six, long silky hair. Trim, new body. <laughs> new bile, by the way, spelled with a U. <laughs> new body that really knew how to move and soft, deeply tanned skin. Now, as for personality traits, she needed only one. She had to love sex and all the time. Yeah. <laughs> to arrive at this moment, he had traveled vast distances, enduring many hardships, abject poverty, starvation, show tunes, <laughs> you name it. From across the room he saw her. She was perfect. He knew almost nothing about her, and she didn't know much more about him. It was exactly how it was supposed to be. He brought her to his room. Lights were soft. The moment was right. And she leaned over and whispered in his ear, Do you love me? Thoughts raced through his mind. Did she really want him? What had he done to deserve this bounty? Does God exist? Who invented liquid soap and why? Staring into her eyes, he knew that she really needed to hear it. But for the first time in his life, he knew these were no longer just words. And if he said it, he would be a lie. Do you love me? She whispered. Do you love me? It would not be tonight. The answer was no. And what's great is as it's playing, you see John Cusack's like sort of wistful, like hopeful face, like just in the background as Daphne Zuniga is yeah. listening to it. And that face is the that is the quintessential John Cusack face. That's that's what defined him as an actor, I think. <laughs> just like I'm really sensitive. I'm playing, you know, I'm playing Phil Collins or whatever Genesis. Uh, Wait, no, I'm sorry. Playing Peter Gabriel. Get out. A, ah, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I, oh, I lost my bona fides. But, um, and I don't know if he could carry that same sort of like uh, angst into adulthood, you know? And I, I think that might have been the problem. I mean, through no fault of his own, but uh, as an actor, like, uh, we don't believe that same sort of. Uh, angst in, in a 40-something-year-old guy. No. Discuss. You know what I'd rather discuss? <laughs> the the Seggies. Ah, the magical refrain of Reader Mailbag. Um, first of all, i got to ask, Brad, are you going to get in trouble for shotgunning the beer? Is that something that... Uh, Why would I get in trouble? I don't know. Men no. get in trouble. No, 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 no. My, Kate, no. You know what Katie will do? She, when I tell her I did it, she will look at me and say, "Really?" No, like, yeah. She'll be like, "Huh, okay," and then we'll move on. Huh. 
Okay. I mean, if I was shotgunning bottles of scotch in the backyard <laughs> all the time, then maybe there'd be a conversation to have, but it's a beer. I don't think you can shotgun a bottle. That would be <laughs> It would be tricky. Really I dangerous. think you need a you need a drill. Funnel. Uh, you want a funnel for that. I funneled a bottle of sangria once. Okay, look at Marty U on YouTube and you will see me shotgun scotch. Really? No. No. <laughs> Oh jeez. No, Sorry. I don't think I I think I, there'll be more like kind of eye rolling than anger. Like oh. I can't believe you did that. I don't have any cans of beer here, so I would have joined you. I uh, do it I'm doing it for the fans. I nice. do the wild turkey, but nobody wants to see me shotgun that. We have two letters this week, and thankfully they're both about the sure thing and John Cusack in general. Um the first one's from Dave Stewart. Who wants to read Dave Stewart's letter? Hey, stuck in the eighties gang. I don't think there's any question that the sure thing was John Cusack's breakout role. Ultimately, Say Anything might have been his biggest and best uh, remembered role of the 80s. As much as some like Better Off Dead, that wasn't the one that made him a star. A personal story about Better Off Dead. I was a freshman at University of Wisconsin-Madison in the fall of 1985. Just after the first set of midterm exams, a kid in the other tower of my dorm hung himself in his closet because he didn't get very good grades on his midterms. Oh, oh man. Uh, this is a great letter. Uh, one of the movie titles on the marquee in, of the little multiplex across the street from our dorm was Better Off Dead. To my 18-year-old way of thinking, seeing that title on his way home from the dining hall might have been enough to push that troubled freshman off the edge. So I refused to watch it. I'm not saying it was logical, mind you. It was just how I felt at the time. Last spring, I finally watched it while treadmilling in my garage before school. I'm a high school teacher. I have no idea if I would have liked it um, had I seen it back then. My 46-year-old self was less than impressed. I'm about to watch this sure thing with my wife and daughter. I remember really loving it when I saw it on campus that fall all those years ago. I haven't seen it for a few years. I'm hoping it holds up better than Better Off Dead. Thanks for all you do with the podcasts and the blog. Take care, Dave. So, yeah, the Better Off Dead, I've had this conversation with a couple people. Like, do you think that movie would get made that way today? No. There was probably a time between 1985 and today, maybe a, a, maybe a decade or so, where that movie does not get made. But I think today, with everything being as black comedy as it is, I think that gets made today. I, so. I mean, you look at Harold and Maude from the 70s, uh, which is about a, a young man killing him, trying to kill himself. Yeah, absolutely. I think black comedy is, is has a, a, a time and place. I think in the late 80s, probably not as much because, I don't know, um, the times were different. But at the time, I thought it was great. I loved it. Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I saw it in the theater and kind of enjoyed watching it become this cult hit. 2013, it gets made. 2001, maybe not. Maybe not. We but, had another letter from Beth in Turkey, who literally got her letter in like five minutes before we went on air. So, Brad, why don't you read that letter? Let me read this one, yeah. Let me finish what I'm eating here. What are you eating during the podcast? Oh, I'm my eating, God. I'm eating the garnish for my Bloody Mary. It's a green onion. It's delicious. Mm. God. When you when you made a, a a garnish for your own Bloody Mary at home, I'm not a caveman, Marty. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I forgot how things work up in Valencia. You know, I, I made a Bloody Mary, and yes, I garnished it with a green onion, because that's how I roll. <clears throat> but this isn't all about me. This is about Beth and Turkey, who wrote us a nice letter. And Beth writes, Hi, Stephen Brad. First of all, I want to say thank you for all the awesome podcasts this year. It's been a real treat to listen to you guys. Aw. Um, I wanted to write regarding this week's topic for the podcast, The Sure Thing. To answer your question, is this the movie that made John Cusack a star? In my opinion, absolutely. This was John Cusack's first starring role, and he did an amazing job with a well-written script. I remember when this movie came out in 1985. I was 11 years old, and back in those days, my mom would drop me off every Saturday at the mall with my $20 allowance. Rich kid. $20? <laughs> I didn't get 20 bucks for allowance. Maybe a month. Maybe, well, maybe it's a month. Yeah, who knows? Who knows what the time okay. is? Anyway, Beth's uh, financial status notwithstanding. I saw The Sure Thing, I believe, six times in the theater. Whoa! Then she got 20 bucks a week. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Once with my mom, who always took me to the movies on Fridays when she would get me out of school, with my friends, and even alone. That's when I fell in love with John Cusack. This movie taught me many things in life. Hmm. How college roommates might be. And my freshman year one was exactly like Gibson's, but a female. Uh, can we get any pictures of that? Uh, how to use fake IDs. The love of show tunes. How to spot Cassiopeia in the night sky. How to not get into a stranger's truck. And the best thing this movie taught me was how to shotgun a beer. When, well, when I was 11 years old, I didn't drink beer, but I practiced many times with Sprite cans. Well, clearly, Brad, you should have done that before this podcast so, started. So when in later years during high school, I used to shotgun beers with ease, much to my friend's amazement. That also helped me in my college years. Anyway, yes, in my eyes, this made John Cusack a star. I started to follow his career and have never stopped. The sure thing is in my top five 80s movies. I think it's well written, a great cast, and a fun storyline. I can recite this whole movie from start to finish. That's how many times I've seen it and how much I adore this film. Some say Better Off Dead or Say Anything might be his defining movie, but I say The Sure Thing all the way. I think it was Ebert or Siskel who said that The Sure Thing is definitely one of the best 80s movies made, and I completely agree. On another note, I was also very fortunate to have met John Cusack back in 1997. He wow. was great. Yeah. Nice. Very friendly, talkative, and just a nice guy. He even signed a photo I had saved from my childhood that I had ordered from Teen Beat Magazine. <laughs> <laughs> which Yay, I thought bad. was pretty cool of him. So I do have a special place in my heart for John and this movie. Definitely one of the best. Thanks again for continuing the Stuck in the 80s podcast. They make me smile. As always, I'm forever Stuck in the 80s, Beth in Turkey. Wow. Oh, what state nice. is Turkey in? Uh, it's in the state of uh, Mediterranean. <laughs> Istanbul, not Constantinople. Okay, so would you say then that John Cusack is the protagonist, the male protagonist of the 80s? Ooh. Um, who else would it be? That's a Michael pretty... Hall. I mean, that's a bold claim, but I can't, I can't offer a... Yeah, I think... Yeah, yeah. I'm going to stand behind is. you. All right. Uh, what about Tom Cruise? Uh, they were... Represent two different uh, different points sort of, on the compass. Yeah, yeah. So one is like the hero, and the other is the antihero. And or the uh, every the every man kind of. And should they ever shake hands, the universe would implode. <laughs> that's why well, you've never seen them in the same movie together. That's why John Cusack stays away from Scientology. I'm trying to think what the closest they ever came to being in the same movie would have been. 
you'd have to probably like something like maybe something like Risky Business would have been the closest. Yeah, or class. movie that 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 yeah, or that yeah, I could see Tom Cruise being in uh, class, and I can see you know, likewise or. Oh, what's the movie where Tom Cruise is? We're at the military school with Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Is that Taps? Taps. 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 Yeah, you could have put Cusack in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah but he would have been the wimpy guy, like in the corner. Game over, man. <laughs> Game over. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's too funny. Anyway, um, we we love your letters. Uh, feel free to send them to us anytime. The email address is s i t eight zero s at gmail.com or steven the 80s at gmail.com or brad in the 80s at gmail.com what's happening hot stuff uh, by the sound of the gong it must be time for mystery movie moment hey we'll play a snippet of a movie from the 80s and if you can get it right uh no prizes this week but it's still nice to say your names you know i'm still waiting to hear from um one of the winners it's not uh, ken ward it's the other one uh Al- uh, the guy from alpharetta georgia okay uh, I, I have his address. I'll, I'll, I'll email him. Okay. Uh, pay attention. Here's our clip from our last show. God damn, your drunk tests are hard. Yes, the man with two brains. Duh. <laughs> oh. I, weren't we actually going to do a podcast on this? Didn't we? We, had, actually, we, we still can. <laughs> we still can. You, yes, you guys are starting to figure out my pattern. Suggest Steve Martin movies to do podcasts about. Yeah. Oh. This is a great one. movie. This is a great movie. I know. We'll do it. I swear. We'll do, maybe we'll do a whole Steve Martin in the 80s. We'll, we'll, just, we'll get to we'll, it eventually. We'll wrap all into one. There's a lot of other stuff to come. Part one and part two on Pennies from Heaven. Anyway, uh, read the, uh, some of the winners, Brad. Uh, winners include Stony Stitt, Billy H. 70 from Paducah, Kentucky, Bald Butts, an English expat in Mandura, Western Australia. Todd Wait, that, that's Minnesota. made up. That's got to be made up. Okay. It's the internet. No one knows if you're a dog. Okay. All right. There you Todd go. in Minnesota, Lisa Brown, Howard in Fremont, Colin Hayes, presumably not that Colin Hayes, but Colin Hayes, and Bill with one L. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery clip. Oh, this is an elevator. Really? I love that. If you know it, email us at sit80s at gmail.com, steve in the 80s at gmail.com, and brad in the 80s at gmail.com. I got it. Ah, the mystical friend that is named that 80s tune. Hey, time for the signature Zeggy here at Stuck in the 80s. Um, I want to say that Brad put Brad chose this week's song. It's so hard I didn't recognize it, and it was so hard that only three people got it. But pay attention. Here it is. Yes, that's Mike and the Mechanics taken in. <laughs> taken in, taken in again. Wrapped around the finger of some fair weather friend. Caught up in the promises, left out in the end. Can't believe you. What are you guys on dope? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, now. Brad, were you a, a Mike and the Mechanics fan? I'll tell you why I picked this song because I heard it on um, the. It's not the American Top Forty, but it's the Top Forty countdown that they do on uh, Sirius XM on the '80s station on Fridays. And I love listening to those countdowns because I always I stumble across stuff like this, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this song. It was a great song. Is it charted? And you know, it was. It was okay. I mean, I had this album. I don't think I had any of their other stuff, but I like this song. This is a great song for a breakup tape. Oh, speaking of which, when are you going to have the Smiths podcast, uh, Steve? And we did Brad? have that. 
the Adam Smith's podcast. A real one. One what with me. You? One oh. with you in it. Oh. <laughs> I have stories. <laughs> we could redo it. We did one with um, Kathy Wass uh, oh, probably right. two or three years ago. But we could do it again. People, people don't mind. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be weird that that'd be the first topic that we actually tackled twice, but that, that's okay. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery tune. Not a Smith song. <laughs> if you know it, email us. You have the addresses by now, and then tune in next week to find out if you're a wiener. We'll be right back after this commercial break. Soon, the John Geyer family will be using their TV to help compute their federal income tax, learn French, improve math skills, and quarterback an NFL team. Here comes the line of scrimmage. Introducing Intellivision, the new home video system from Mattel Electronics. Two components, each sold separately. Start with the master component. Available now for super games like NFL football. To pass. Go for it, Dad. Caught it. And for learning fun from the electric company. Now this one's a little tougher. I got it. And when you add the keyboard component available this summer, Intellivision can change your family's life. It simplifies financial planning. Even custom designs a Jack LaLanne exercise program for you. Play dryer. There is an entire library of Intellivision programs designed to grow right along with your family's interests. Discover Intellivision. It can change your family's life. And we're back, and we've got time to uh, to go over two things that we didn't cover in the first half of the show. First of all, the music of uh, the Shore thing. I, I want to go on a limb and say this is probably one of the few '80s movies that does not have a memorable soundtrack, even though it's full of hits. I, I think that it's because it, it was uh, sort of approached from uh, a hits point of view, as opposed to what do kids listen to point what of kids view. Listening to these days. Yeah, like if you look at. Uh, you know, um, Valley Girl, that was very much of, they had the perspective of what our kids listening to, and this is much more of like what's charting. Right. Mm-hmm. So you have Infatuation by Rod Stewart, but, which yeah. that was never on the radar screen of kids in the 80s. Of course. Uh, the Heart of Rock and Roll by Huey Lewis. And the Eagles and, you know. John Waite song, Tears. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and the Wang Chung song is a great song. And the, oh, yeah, the one Wade. Peter Wolf solo hit, Lights Out. You might think, Rick Ocasek. Um, and then, of course, you get Concealed Weapons by the Jay Giles Band, which, of course, has the uh, status of being the original Stuck in the 80s theme music. Oh, I didn't know that. For the first, for the first year or two or three of the show, in the show introduction, the background music is Concealed Weapons. Hmm, cool. So no, not a memorable soundtrack because in, the music just does not play an important part. It's not used as a punchline. Right. It's not used as in, in any sort of uh, montage. No foresha- just, yeah, no, yeah, that's pretty odd for an 80s movie. No montage? No road trip yeah. montage? 
one of the few that does not take advantage. And if you think about it in general, um, uh, Rob Reiner in the 80s, how much does he actually use music? I mean, I'll grandfather in The Jerk in 1979 and we'll take you all the way to no, no, I would say the wait, first wait, wait. time. He didn't direct The Jerk. Oh, he acts in The He's Jerk. He's in The Jerk. His dad directed The Jerk. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. Should I take that out? No, it's okay. You should, you, we should. You should wallow in your mis- wrongness. Your mistakes <laughs> should just fester, just as a reminder. Never yeah. make a mistake. So Rob Reiner in the '80s, and let's talk about where this role, where this movie uh, ranks. He has "This Is Spinal Tap," "The Sure Thing," "Stand by Me," "The Princess Bride," and "When Harry Met Sally." And, and I would say, except for when Harry met Sally, there's not a single movie here that. Well, ah, Spinal Tap. I'm not not so much music in Spinal Tap, not really. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean, in terms yeah. of like making a statement. But where does this movie rank? If you had to rank Rob Reiner in the '80s, does this top three? I don't even know that it makes top three. Um, what? Uh, I think this might be one of my favorite Rob Reiner movies because it, it's like very honest and. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's it's a fantastic movie. Well, I'm going to rank it obviously above Stand By. I know me. you hate Stand By Me. Now, Stand By Me is the one that I think uh, the soundtrack was huge for Stand By Me. But that's that's uh, all. It was all it, nostalgia stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah it doesn't count. Um, when Harry Met Sally, I might put that as number one. I might put Spinal Tap two and Sure Thing three. What? No Princess Bride. Get off this podcast, man! I love I love Princess Bride. I'm saying, I and mean, Mark Knopfler did the soundtrack for that. Yeah, that was a pretty spectacular yeah. one. No, they're all they're all great. I wish if any director they're, has they're all good. Yeah, they're yeah, all good. And then and remember, like if if you were in college in the late '80s, every girl had the When Harry Met Sally soundtrack, and that's when Harry Connick Jr. became like a heartthrob. Yeah, you want to talk about a sure thing? Having the When Harry Met Sally soundtrack available to use. <laughs> That was a sure thing. Well, I wish you had told me <laughs> instant in panic. <laughs> the uh, where does this rank? Um, and then the ultimate question: Where does this rank among Cusack movies? I'd put it up there. I mean, he's. I mean, Marty's kind of spoken to this. He's so good in this, and he kind of sets the stage for a lot of things he's going to do for the next, you know, eight to ten years until he stops being the teen actor and starts being the actor actor. I mean, if you take this this movie up until say anything like that, I think defines um, the idealized experience of every teenage male who lived in the eighties. Like that's what we all aspired to be, unless we were Tom Cruise. But which, but none of us. Not were. all of us had access to that sort of uh, yeah. firepower, right? Um, back in, I guess it was. Earlier this year, June twenty eighth, um, John Cusack turned forty seven, and I ranked his top forty seven movies uh, to date. And where and did you put I, this? Number four. And what was number oh. one? High Fidelity. I really uh, do uh, like High Fidelity. High Fidelity is a fantastic uh, movie, and and especially because it's about uh, us. Sorry, my dog is freaking out. <laughs> it's okay. Let me. I have uh, High Fidelity number one. Better Off Dead at two, Say Anything at three, uh, number four is The Sure Thing. Here's where it starts to get a little interesting. Number five, True Colors. You remember that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 1991, I love that movie. 
Um, number six, Eight Men Out. Nice. Oh, he was great in it. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's a great movie. Number seven, Gross Point Blank. Eh, I'm not as big a fan of that as I probably should be. Okay, I'm not hearing 2012 on this list. Um, and did you I know miss something? You, you, let me find out where 2012. Did it make the top? Where's Hot Tub Time Machine? 2012 is at number 38. Hot Tub Time Machine's at number 12. My 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 like deep dark secret favorite John Cusack movie is America's Sweethearts. I love that movie. Oh, <laughs> I love that movie. It's oh although I, I think I love it mainly because Billy Crystal's character is so. It's just so inside baseball, like movie publicist, like what you imagine. You know, if if I got a call that my mother died, then I would go down. I would cry a tear, then I'd go downstairs and say, "It's a shame. My mother would have loved this picture." <laughs> <laughs> America's Sweetheart was number thirty-two on my list. But then you've got fourteen oh eight, which I have a soft spot for. Oh, it's a good movie. Fourteen oh eight was number fifteen, um, and being John Malkovich, yeah, is number eleven. Okay. So here's my question, and I know we've gone, been going on super long, so I apologize, but it, he hasn't uh, achieved the sort of the stardom that he had in the 80s. Uh, he hasn't maintained it over the years. Now, is that because of a lack of talent, or is it because uh, of things that he can't control, or maybe he's a jerk? I don't know. Like, Do you have... Thoughts I have on that? theories. Yeah, I think that um, I, I've always said that I think Cusack does like has a, he's a pattern where he'll do a, a a sure thing blockbuster like 2012, and then he'll follow it up with um, like a, a pet project like The Paperboy, hmm. um, and then he'll and then he'll really go off the the deep track and do something like uh, War Incorporated or uh, Max, you know, stuff like that. he loves. I think these um, obscure indie flicks, he just loves to be in them. And then when I think every once in a while when he tries to go mainstream with something like a real thinker like The Raven, it ends up being kind of a stinker. So yeah. he hasn't quite found – he hasn't quite found you know, his niche. His niche well, as an adult. What's insane is that like I, I could But he has only... done a lot of work. I, oh, yeah, I can, nobody works more yeah, than yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, I can only guess he has some crazy tax bill or a bunch of like illegitimate children because in between 2013 <laughs> and 2014, he has 13 feature films with him in it coming oh, out. That's gosh, yeah. yeah. Well, that's I mean, he plays uh, he plays Nixon in uh, The Butler, right? That's right. Which probably probably a day's work. Actually, days it's work. called Lee Daniels, The Butler. That drives me nuts. Right. I'm just going to call it The Butler. <laughs> Is Mama called him Cassius? I'm going to call him Cassius. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, but uh, anyways, it's 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 a great movie. Um, it's it's definitely um, from a period of time where he's totally innocent, yeah, totally and, and pasty. It's a, it's a great, just it's a great '80s movie. If you haven't seen it, as someone who came to it later, I know a lot of these things. People say, "Oh gosh, I I can't see what people saw in it because they don't have that reference from when they were in their teens." But you know what? It held up. It was enjoyable. Yeah, I think and the biggest takeaway is you get to see Anthony Edwards with hair. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> right. How weird was that? You do, and you get to, and you get to, to the whole movie wraps up oddly enough with a, a Ray Charles song called "Just Because." So, of all the oddities to end on, it ends it ends with Anthony Edwards' hair and a Ray Charles song. And how many John Cusack movies can you say that about? Really, one, <laughs> one. It's the sure thing. Anyway, hope you had a good time. Uh, like. I reinforce Brad's uh, advice 
definitely make this uh, put this on your queue and check it out. We promise we will handle the outsiders this year. It's a great suggestion. I even just bought the the DVD. I can't wait to watch it again. And in the meantime, Marty, thanks for joining us again. Thanks for having me. Thanks for uh, Brad. I, I hope you uh, the belching goes away. The gaseous oh. problem that you've been experiencing. I think we've cleared that all up. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that's crossed off your your eighties bucket list, so you can die happily. No, I just need to go snort some cocaine or something to catch up. <laughs> yeah. Just in time for our less than zero podcast. Woo-hoo! <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> it's myself, a way better than some of the other things that guy does in that picture. <laughs> myself, Walter Gibbs, and Anthony Edwards. We all remain here, hopelessly stuck in the eighties. Stuck in the eighties is a class of eighty-five production. Please listen responsibly. Get an error message. Great. This show is over. <laughs> it says that it says Brad is a. P- oh, oh, that's not an error. That's message. not an error message. <laughs> it's a fact.